0: If Morrie supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Blah
1: blah blah. The blah Send it Sending out good vibes. The blah blah Good vibes. The blah blah blah. Good vibes. The blah blah Good vibes. Good vibes. Underneath breaths
2: of deep gratitude and prayers for guidance and protection, and put on a didgeridoo and shamanic drumming track, shivers or vibrations and stuff like that.
0: Okay guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Coming at you with some new gear. And uh see if you guys notice the difference. And we're coming at you with Dan Harari, like Ferrari, uh, <laughs> this week on the show. It's a good show, it's a fun one. We got everybody's favorite podcaster. Grandma Lama dingy-ding-dong dong, dong,
2: dong, Hey buddy. Yeah, let us know if the if it sounds different. We got uh we got some new new gear. We had to my my mixture crapped out. And uh, yeah, I was looking for something with less, less, uh, less interfaces and less connections and less buzzing. And this, I think, we're using StreamYard now and new mixers, and it should be it should be much better. I think, and it just feels better. My computer's running better, everything is better. And this is an interesting chat with uh, a longtime UFO researcher and a Hollywood celeb publicist. Really interesting. He's got a book about uh, you know benevolent ETs coming to Earth to help us and save us. Really? Good story, yeah. That never happens. Well, I know, but this is why we gotta start talking about it. There you have it. So what have you been up to? You went out. I know, I met some met some friends, had a great time, met some friends. I've been uh yeah, doing lots of stuff, lots of work, working on some books, working on an amazing book. What'd you do? I'm more interested in you leaving the house. Well, I I know I just I, I don't want to you know I went in I went out for dinner with a bunch of friends. It was great. You I mean, hmm, like some yeah. some C five crowd and stuff. Yeah. What did you go see, 5 No, no, we just went out for dinner. Wow, yeah. oh, too bad. Yeah, it was fun. It's
0: all about C five season.
2: oh uh, yeah, it's coming up. But yeah, I might have to try again or something. Maybe we should. Maybe you you and Shauna should come out and we'll get everybody together. We should do that.
0: I'm smoking weed though.
2: Well, just do it on your way there.
0: No, whenever I want. <laughs> I don't understand how I
2: smoke weed. You're pretty subtle anyways when you do it, so that's fine. Nobody you know. We'll just make sure. I'll just make sure that that's a caveat, and I'll say, look, it's it's just going to, you know.
0: Nobody knows what we're up to, what I'm up to. So, well, that's well there's,
2: some, there's some interesting things, because one of her channel or friends uh, that we actually were gonna have on the show. I I can't remember if we did or not. The one that does the, the fire the grid thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um Shelly Yates, I think is her name. What's her name? No, maybe not Shelly Yates, I can't remember. Um there's something beeping over there. She she phone? came Well, yeah, that's my phone. Why can you hear that through my mic? Yes. That's not maybe we need to redo the gate on this if thing. If you're
0: talking the gate doesn't work.
2: All right. Okay. But that's okay. So I mean Go ahead. Anyways, she mentions like she got communications that there was going to be a fake invasion. And she's like, what's all this about a fake invasion? She had never really heard of Project Bluebeam. Similar to our guest here, Dan Harari. I think he didn't hear me right. I'm pretty sure he's probably heard of it. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about Bluebeam in this intro. In our lazy ramblings, you can always fast forward to the interview with Dan it's a little bit, probably like a half hour down the line. We'll get rid of some housekeeping issues here and ask, beg for your support. And I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about Bluebeam a bit.
0: I mean, we did uh have we just bought almost two thousand dollars worth of stuff. It was like nine hundred, nine fifty. House for the good. Cord. We had to
2: buy something, so we thought we'll do that, eh?
0: Just yeah, we had to do something. You know, it was time to upgrade. There was a buzz on this side. I couldn't quite find. I just had so many cords running everywhere, and Graham needed an upgrade literally because his mixer was on the verge of crapping out. It was. It had a buzz that was kind of creeping in and out and getting worse.
2: Well, then it stopped working altogether. I mean, it's how weird is it that I showed you what I wanted to get for the future? This is one of those weird things that happens. I I, I truly think it's a manifest thing. Just like, just like other examples. But as soon as I say that and show you what I want in the future, like what my long-term plan is for like a mixer type thing for what I do with the books and the shows, the thing stops working. Our original one stops working. Like we had it fixed. We had the compressor connected. We had it fixed. And then all of a sudden it craps out. But well, I'm like, well, cause we got to make a decision. <laughs>
0: Well, we've had that mixer for a long time. That was the first like thing
2: we bought. Yeah, it's that one that I was using was eight, eight, nine years old, probably.
0: Yeah, it was six hundred and fifty bucks when we bought it, because it had the interface and anyway, now we're back. This thing didn't exist when we started podcasting. I think the first one just came out in like twenty eighteen, and the second one just came out. This is the one that Adam Curry quit trying to make his thing when it came out because it just it sort of does it just does everything you could possibly need it to do. It's <laughs> not click of a button, button. I can change it to whoever. So. It's great for Graham doing his stuff. It's perfect for me. I don't have a bunch of gear. And, I'm fl- and all the buzz is gone. We'll be interested to know if you guys hear a difference in the audio. So uh, it's going to help Graham do some books. Anyway, all that stuff we do around here, because it's not free. It takes her time. It takes her dollars. It takes a ton of things to keep this show going every week for Going on 10 years now. We're only a couple months away from a 10-year anniversary. So it's important, you guys. More important than ever, grammerica.ca slash support. If you can, head over there, sign up for monthly or make a one-time donation or whatever you can do to help keep the show afloat. If you want to see the show keep going in its current form, uh, we can't do it without people like you stepping up and supporting it so we can keep going. So grammerica.ca slash support, guys, if you can, when you can course uh the other thing we are gonna tell you is we've been considering maybe doing video again so i mean let us know it's that's like more money it'd be like we're right now we're doing StreamYard on the planet's already like 25 bucks a month if we want to do 1080 which we would need to do if, if we if we want to start doing video on a serious not like serious but we you know we have these presentations from time to time and um we're just considering it. We're considering going live with someone. We have a bunch of people that are doing pretty well on YouTube these days, and it might be fun to go live on Rumble. Rumble's getting more popular. So, you know, that's like the end of payment goes to 60 bucks a month or something like that instead of 25 So all that stuff, just everything costs a fortune.
2: And time, and it's a bit more time to do that too. And I guess, you know, that's the thing. Some guests do want to have. They have presentations. They have visual stuff. And although this is mainly an audio podcast, I mean, Rumble is doing – pretty good now and we we're putting our stuff on rumble now anyways so the question is do we go live every once in a while too do we do that it seems to be helping some people the guests seem to like it i think um maybe we do it now and then but i mean and this isn't a youtube thing this isn't about necessarily going on youtube because our main channel's one strike away from being deleted it seems perpetually but right now for sure it is So, I mean, we might lose that whole thing. We've got like 800 videos on there or something over nine years or eight years or something like that. Are they all downloaded? Some effort into cleaning that up and trying to get it going just while it's there, just for for algos, basically. Because it is good marketing for the show, too. It's reachability and all that, which the audio podcast doesn't seem to have that same kind of thing. So we're going to use that as long as we can anyways. So do we just... You know, do that now and then, do that every time.
0: Either way, we need your support. Grammerica.ca. Support.
2: And feedback. What do you think? I know my mom likes the talking heads. She's like, Well, you guys, I, I miss seeing you guys in the studio. Wow, that's sweet. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, mom.
0: Uh, GrammericaOutlaw.ca. We do have that whole other show. If you guys want to check that out, we've been having some good shows over there lately, and we do the little audiobook thing here every week as well where you get a chapter of an audiobook. So check that out. If you just type Gramerica Outlawed into your pod player, it will pop up. Some people still seem to be confused by the
2: fact that it is a whole new
0: podcast. So um,
2: Whole separate website, whole separate feed, whole whole separate support uh, infrastructure.
0: That's right. So check that out, GramericaOutlawed.ca. And uh we, we are selling some gear. I mean I think your mic's already sold. I think Brian Brian bought it. Brian in Australia.
2: Oh that's a good idea. Yeah. Actually.
0: And uh the one recorder we sold to our buddy in BC. I'm mailing that out tomorrow. So if anyone else, we have like another recorder, mixer.
2: So when uh, you say recorder, you mean task cam?
0: Yeah. Yeah, actually if you say it like that, we have two of our old recorders. We have the task cam that we used before we went to the Hn6, so we have one Hn6 left. That's missing the battery cover, and we have the mixer that we've been using for the last few years. It does still work, uh, perfectly well. And uh, there was something else, uh, just compressors and stuff like that.
2: Oh yeah, your stack, right? Don't you have your stack too? Your mixer? Oh, okay. Are you selling yeah. your mixer too?
0: Yeah, the mixer, the EQ, the compressor, and the preamp. So if that's something you're interested in, a little nostalgia, uh, SpamGram, let them know. You would have to cover the shipping, of course. But other than that, I mean, the recorder is the big one that someone might want. This is the one that we probably recorded the last, like, 400 shows on. 300 for sure. And before that, would be the cam. So it's basically, like, the whole recording history of the show on those two devices. So let us know. SpamGram, if you're interested. I'm selling them. We need them out of here. So
2: that's Graham at grayamerica.com.
0: That's right. So what do you got? Do you have any, I'm, I'm curious to try this thing because it's supposed to be my new Bluetooth jingle board here with these new fancy faders. I want to play a jingle. What do you got for yeah, me?
2: well, I want to do like, a, uh, I mean, we have to talk about Bluebeam, So I want to do a project operation.
0: All right, let's try to see what happens. Okay. Whoa, what's
3: that noise?
1: But
0: it looks military to me, definitely military, probably classified too. Dishfire, Prism, Sentry Eagle, Sigma, Mannequin, Artichoke, MK Ultra, Operation
4: Project.
2: I can even hear it this time. That's great. Usually I can't hear that. Really? Yeah, this is fantastic so far. Everything's
0: coming up, Graham.
2: So, I mean, what do you, so here, this is like, it's, it's pretty interesting, pretty deep. Um, so I was thinking about reading some of the stuff from the wikis and then I've got like a timeline that somebody put together who used to have their site used to be like blue beam news. Now it's the the title of the site has changed, but a lot of research into that. And then I've got a tiny clip to play from an ex FBI, like basically like Fox Mulder, the real Fox Mulder of the FBI about it and he kind of changed my view a little bit about what this might look like but this is from like rational wiki right so this i guess this would be like the skeptical wiki thing and they're talking about project Bluebeam being a conspiracy theory which claims that nasa is attempting to implement a new age religion with the antichrist at its head and start a new world order via a technically simulated second coming so did you know that this Started like I don't know why this guy's name is popping up all the time now, but I'm not sure if I noticed this. The allegations were presented in 94 by uh, a Quebecois journalist and conspiracy theorist named Serge or Sergey Monast.
0: You ever I heard of that? that. You know that? Quebecois, so. huh? He,
2: he published his, uh, his book called Project Bluebeam. Come on. He, he, and then he did, de- well, okay, I'll mute it. Geez, I'm just not used to this coming through like this. It's, what's going on? Like, You're
0: just not used to just do it as a courtesy of shutting your ringer off for the podcast. Well,
2: I've got my phone open here. Normally, it's not there, but because I'm going to play a clip through it. so
0: Got it. At least it's so, not coming through the Bluetooth.
2: Yeah, exactly. Why is that, I wonder?
0: it probably just knows to distinguish between an audio and a phone uh, function. Okay.
2: So the proponents of this theory allege that Monast and another unnamed journalist who both died of heart attacks in 96 were in fact assassinated. And the Canadian government kidnapped Monast's daughter in an effort to dissuade him from in- investigating Project Bluebeam. So this gets into quite a bit of stuff, but it talks about the theory here and it, and it talks about um the steps, there's four steps to it. So step one requires the breakdown of archaeological knowledge. This will be accomplished by faking earthquakes, new, fake new discoveries. Yeah, interesting. Specifically Christian and Muslim doctrines. And then step two is a gigantic space show with, wherein uh, three-dimensional holographic laser projections will be beamed all over the planet. And this is where a blue beam really takes off. The projections will take the shape of whatever deity is the most predominant and will speak in all languages. At the end of the light show, the gods will all merge into one god, the Antichrist. Step three is the telepathic electronic two-way communication that involves people making, making people think that their god is speaking to them through telepathy. Projected into the head of each person individually using extremely low frequency radio waves. I'm totally abbreviating all this. And then step four is three parts. It says, make humanity think that an alien invasion is about to occur in every major city. Number two, making the Christians think that the rapture is about to happen. And number three, a mixture of electronic and supernatural forces. Allowing the supernatural forces to travel through fiber optics, power and telephone cables, coax, to penetrate all electronic equipment and appliances that will then all have a special microchip installed. <laughs> so this guy, this monas guy thought of the new world order. This is, this is um, what he thought of, of the new world order. All people will be required to take an oath to Lucifer with a ritual initiation to enter the new world order. Resisters will be categorized as follows. Christian children will be kept for human sacrifice or sexual slaves, prisoners to be used in medical experiments, prisoners to be used as living organ banks, so, this is going back to 94. So, 20, what is that, 30 years? 30 years now, 29 years. Healthy workers to slave labor camps, uncertain prisoners in the International Reeducation Center, thence to repent on television and learn to glorify the New World Order. So, basically, like struggle sessions, the International Execution Center, and as an as yet unknown seventh classification. So they get into like the, the start of this theory apparently was like Gene Roddenberry um, and Star Trek. They were going to do a feature film about it and his, his purposed story told of a flying saucer hovering above earth that was programmed to send down people who looked like prophets, including Jesus Christ. And all all the steps of the conspiracy theory were in the unmade mid-70s Star Trek film, This the script by Roddenberry which were recycled for the Star Trek Next Generation episode, Devil's Do," which was broadcast in 91. Kind of interesting, eh? Absolutely. So then I looked up uh, this the Wikipedia of Serge, like the Bluebeam, and it, it directly links to the, this guy, this Monast guy. Um, he was a Canadian investigative journalist, poet, essayist, and conspiracy theorist. And he says it was uh, an alleged plot to facilitate a totalitarian world government by destroying traditional religions and replacing them with a new age belief system using NASA technology. I mean, it doesn't sound too crazy twenty nine years later.
0: Bum, 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 bum. He, was,
2: uh, he was an active member of the Social Credit Party of Canada.:
0: What's and, when? And, Yeah, yeah. when did this exist?
2: in the you know. <laughs> In the 70s and 80s, I mean,
0: they were talking about social credit in the 70s and 80s.
2: Yeah, I guess, but I mean, maybe it was in a different context. Um, Holy oh, shit! So in the early 90s, I how they would track, What? I know how they would attract that. Well, it's all. not that type of like. It's it's probably say more say about social yeah. credit. It's just another word for socialism, probably back then. In the early nineties, he started writing on the on the theme of the New world order and conspiracies hatched by secret societies, so this is where it gets a little close to home as well. You're going to like this, being particularly inspired by the works of William Guy Carr so i'm going to, i don't want to repeat too much, but there might be some repetitive stuff here, but he also published his most detailed work about the oh the protocols of Toronto modeled upon the 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 protocols of the elders of you know who wherein he said a Masonic group called 666 had for 20 years been gathering the world's powerful to establish a new world order and control the minds of individuals. So he said he was being hunted by the police and authorities for involvement in networks of prohibited information. So which he he had homeschooled his two children and they were taken away and made wards of the state in September 96. And so again, this is from Wikipedia. So Take it from a grain of salt. has probably been sort of cleansed and
0: with the grain, maybe, of
2: salt. you know what?
0: Take it with a grain of salt.
2: Well, yeah, that's what I think. But
0: you said take it from a grain of salt.
2: No, I didn't, did I? Yeah, I sure did. Oh my god,
0: you're one of them.
2: <laughs>
0: the ball, it's your, your ball.
2: in <laughs> my
0: For all intensive purposes, <laughs> <laughs> take
2: <laughs> it from a grain of salt. Going to be the new one. So um his followers claim obviously that like his death was suspicious suggesting he was assassinated by psychotronic weapons to keep from continuing his investigations. So even Jerry Fletcher the Mel Gibson character in 97 film conspiracy theory was modeled on him. I got maybe we should watch that again see how like see how <laughs> how, how prevalent that is or how um, portentous that is. So then so when I go to William Guy Carr this gets interesting Um, because he's, he's uh, he was living in the early 1900s. The most, he was described as the most influential source in creating the American Illuminati demonology, according to American folklorist, Bill Ellis. So in the fifties, he was the leader of the anti-communist national federation of Christian laymen of Toronto. He was also the president, one of the presidents of the Naval club in Toronto. But it gets into, like, he was a political activist. This is where it gets really interesting. So in 1931, he started giving conferences in different Canadian clubs on the topic of international conspiracy, which was subdivided into two main subjects, international communism and international capitalism, stating that both were being controlled by the Illuminati and what he called the international bankers. So this is 1931. Don't forget. The last bank
0: was kind of cold, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly. So, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's where it's going. So that's that's where it, <laughs> that's, that's where it's going. So, so it was re- mainly represented by Rothschilds and Rockefellers back then. So he retired from the navy oh, and, he, f- and he turned and he turned his <laughs> actually conspiracy not
0: Rockefeller. I don't know the, I don't know his uh... this
2: this. This is why we've got we to treat it with, uh, from a grain of salt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <It hurts. laughs>
2: his, um, his writings turned essentially to conspiracy themes from a firmly Christian standpoint. And according to political research associates, a group studying right-wing extremism, Carr promoted anti-bleep <clears throat> variant of conspiracism with books such as Pawns in the Game and Red Fog Over America. He believes in an age-old Illuminati banking conspiracy used radio-transmitted mind control on behalf of Lucifer to construct one world government. The secret nexus of the plot was supposedly the international Bilderberger meetings on banking policy. So his works were influenced by the writings of Nesta Webster and John Robeson
0: and Robison, we've have, we've had we have, him
2: on the show we have we have audiobooks of nesta and john on adultbrain.ca so must their main works are then. on what
0: they must both be dead
2: yeah yeah this is going way back to the early 1900s still so they're saying that his works were were um influenced by nesta and john and we have books on them both nesta's uh, book is on uh well they're both on auto, adultbrain.ca or audible actually And they both explain the French Revolution as a plot by Freemasonry and linked to the German Illuminati of Adam Weishaupt. And who is frequently associated to the conspiracy theory of the New World Order.
0: The NWO.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting to hear that going back that far, really.
0: I prefer the NWA.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to just put... uh, I'm going to read quickly this timeline that was put together um, from this guy. He says, uh, this is kind of getting more into the UFO aspect, because that is just sort of saying, you know, the conspiracy, Canadian conspiracy theory sort of history. But below is a chronological breakdown of all the fact-checked information supporting Project Bluebeam theory over the past century. So it doesn't contain speculation, numerological or symbol symbolical, symbolological. Symbolical observations and sticks as closely as what we know. So it's coming right from the military and governmental sources, Wikipedia, all that stuff. For those who don't know, in a nutshell, Project Bluebeam is the theory that the powers that are b that b are planning to make to fake an alien invasion in the coming years, with an intention to bring the world's nations together to fight against a common cause. The ultimate objective being to usher in a new world order. So. The only remain some so he he does speculate about when Bluebeam was started, but he talks so he talks about forty seven roswell forty seven project blue book, fifty three classified CIA document um Walter B. Smith's about how UFOs could be used as psychological warfare. so that goes back to fifty three in fifty five area fifty one is built in sixty nine project Blue Book is terminated, and then in seventy he's got here Project Bluebeam is possibly started, so there's no real evidence there. 75, the U.S. military intelligence serviceman Gene Roddenberry writes that script for Star Trek. In 77, German and American aerospace engineer Von Braun spends last few months of his life with cancer, explaining to Carol Rosen that an alien card is going to be played by the government. 87, Reagan explains at the U.N. meeting, I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from the outside world, from outside this world. 91, Bush Sr. gives a speech where he states, what is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in a common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. Out of these humble times, our fifth objective, the new world order can emerge. So that's interesting. 91, William Cooper releases, behold, the world order. Um,
0: William Cooper? Bill Cooper?
2: Yeah. yeah. Behold a Pale Horse, which has a section that reads... Can you imagine what will happen if... What's that?
0: Remember the audiobook? I've got it, yeah. Is it self-narrated? I don't know. It's like, wow. It's so modest. It wasn't good? Oh, no, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard. Maybe if you put it on, like, one and a quarter, it might liven up a bit. But it's Mm -hmm. hard without the, like... Um, I don't know the like just oscillations and pitch.
2: Mm-hmm. So he mentioned in his book. Uh, can you imagine what will happen if Los Angeles is hit with a quake, New York City is destroyed in a terrorist planted atomic bomb, World War Three breaks out in the Middle East, the banks and the stock markets collapse, ETs land on the White House lawn, food disappears from the markets, some people disappear, and the Messiah presents himself to the world. In 91, Janet Morris, who has worked as a consultant to the defense department, she publishes numerous white papers detailing this non-lethal war doctrine proposals. And then the Canadian journalist in 94, that's the Monas thing, releases the, pro- the book, Project Bluebeam, explaining the theory and how it ultimately ends in a fake alien invasion, which will be used to usher in the new world order. And he gave a couple lectures on the topics. And then 96, they arrest him for homeschooling his children and take his daughter away. Then Bill, Bill Cooper dies in a shootout with Apache Country <laughs> County sheriffs after evading arrest warrant for three years. And then 2004, approximately Janet Morris, who has worked on the non-lethal weapon holograms, appears on British TV talking in depth about how the holograms could be used to project Jesus, the devil, or UFOs in the sky. 2004 is also the last record of her saying any imp- or having any employment within government agencies. And then 2009, Carol Rosen gives speech at the UFO Disclosure Project, explaining her conversations with Von Braun. And then 2020 to 2022, the MSM starts to report on multiple UFO sightings. The government start to admit the existence of UFOs and the true extent of reported sightings. UFOs are renamed UAPs. Netflix releases multiple UFO documentaries. Joe Rogan has ex-servicemen on his podcast admitting they've seen UAPs in American airspace and ex-President Obama admits on live TV that US UFOs exist. And then it goes on to Harvard scientist Robert Duncan talks about Project Bluebeam on the Concrete podcast, which has been seen since removed from YouTube. And then, and then this gets real close. February 2023, a surveillance balloon shot down and we all know About the three UFOs shot down in the same locations the balloon passed through in the space of three days. New reports now say the balloon was heading in the direction of Hawaii, where a huge wall of green lasers was seen on the same day that the balloon was spotted. Nobody talks about that anymore. Do you remember that? The Chinese Chinese laser? The Chinese spy balloon? Hmm? The Chinese spy balloon? Uh, Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the wall of green lasers on the same day.
0: I I never heard about the wall of green lasers.
2: Yeah, it's I saw pictures of it, and they were admitting it in the in the the, you know, the mainstream media. On one hand, they're saying like Marjorie Taylor Greene's talking about lasers from China, and she's a kook, and then they all say, "Oh, there's a wall of green lasers over Hawaii," and it's just nobody mentions it after that. And that was in the mainstream papers. And then he goes on to say that the three UFOs were all originally reported as cylindrical in the size of a car, not balloons, except the Canadian guy who did admit they were balloon. Five trains derailed, three cell companies down. So he gets into all the latest like electricity stuff. Eight countries pull their ambassadors out of Turkey 24 hours before. Oh, this is interesting. Eight countries pull out all their ambassadors out of Turkey 24 hours before a giant earthquake hits. Huge five acre yeah, warehouse fire in Florida. Black Hawk crashes in Alabama.
0: Are you just reading the headlines now?
2: No, it's just his summary oh, of that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, now just okay. a couple seconds of this guy talking. This is John D'Souza, who's an ex-FBI guy. I about- play a clip. Look out.
3: <laughs> However, the way that we wow. know they're not true UFOs. True UFOs can be extraterrestrial and extra dimensional. In other words, they can, they are usually, uh, they have capacity for shape-shifting. They have a capacity for disappearing and reappearing. They have, that is one of the ways that we know genuine UFOs are afoot. Uh, we're able to see those qualities in them. These Tic tic Tacs, these UAPs don't have those, don't have those abilities. However, I, I do believe that they are very, they have the ability to uh, destroy things, to destroy things. And that's why they're being uh, built up. Mm-hmm. They are not, they are not. The, uh, they are not, they are man-made, but they appear not to be made by the United States per se. Uh we do have a congressman recently. Um I I I don't want to get summoned before any subcommittees, so I won't say his name, but we have a congressman uh from I think he was from Indiana who <laughs> ran around uh, he was running around Just to say where he's sub- from <laughs> and one of the things that he said was these things uh are appear to be man-made and this is after several Classified briefings that the subcommittees think nobody finds anything out about uh, he said it appears that these uh, that these vehicles are man-made indeed they are but they're not made by the United States they appear not to be made by Russia or China. however we uh, it does appear that our global uh, aerospace companies probably had uh, several hands in creating these things, and he's talking mm. about McDonnell Douglas, Raytheon, and several other companies that really don't consider themselves American. Uh, they're actually they're actually global global companies, and he said it looks like those guys had had some kind of hand in creating these UAPs, but it appears they are not under the control of the United States or any other nation. And and that's that's all he said, and it was amazing uh, when he said that uh, because it really leads to several other conclusions. That well, then who's controlling them? Uh, and it appears, it appears that uh, the ones who are controlling them are the deep state, the which is not an American uh, organization. The deep state, the uh, the uh, cabal, uh, the alumni, the power that is over nations appears to be controlling he
2: almost said that
3: fits in perfectly with uh, them eventually building up this campaign of fear uh in the nations uh which is what they're doing right now uh to- all right i'll stop it there but i mean it, it
2: gets interesting because he, he talks about a different type of blue beam like it's not like you're gonna see holograms in the sky and ufos over every city they'll just destroy a bunch of things like even cities with who knows what I mean whether it's EMPs or something and then they'll just blame it on UFOs so th- I think he's talking more of like a traditional sort of false flag type thing blame it on ETs and UFOs alright guys support
0: the show it's important do you have a de- uh, uh, sorry a bio no. for Mr. Dan Harari like Ferrari
2: oh yeah let me let me pull it up give me a sec I forgot to pull it up
0: I am can't kind wait of like to hear your first book with voices. Yeah, can can we hear your girl voice? Do you have a girl voice yet? No,
2: I don't. No, I don't. No, no. Oh my! <laughs> so, um, let me just—I should have. I sorry, I wasn't prepared with this. Seriously, yeah, I get it. It's it's a long one, so I'm just going to skip to this. Is from uh, Dan Harari, author. and also there's going to be a link to his book in the show notes. Um. <clears throat> he's a he's been a senior publicist. Um, he's been a publicist through wow since the '80s. He's been a publicist for Hollywood. He's 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 got a book out about celebrities too. He's brushed uh, shoulders with almost every celebrity. Um, American Film Institute, Playboy, Playboy models, the Playboy Channel, where he handled all the PR and program information. Um. He worked in the American Film Institute as campus information director. I'm just skipping through some of the stuff here. Art director, science uh, degree in communications. And he's also been interested in UFOs because he's had a couple amazing sightings. Let me just check the latest part here. He's been a speaker and a panelist across LA on the topic of entertainment, PR, appearing in events. And the Publicist Guild, the Marymount University, Promax, BDA, and the Entertainment Publicist Professional Society. But now I guess he's writing for his love about UFOs. So there you have it. BDA sounds kinky. Nice vocal fry. Speaking of events, contact
0: at the cabin.com, baby. We got that Utah 420 trip coming in. You can still get in on that. That's under a month away now. If you want to come join us, we're going to have a fucking time up there with Dave Matheson. Brandon Powell. Uh, looks like, what's what's the other fellow's name? I forget. Another Brandon, right?
2: Yep. Brandon Thomas from Expanded Reality is going to be there. Another special guest.
0: And Ksenia. So we're going to have a blast up there in the mountains. Sean and I going down. Graham, of course. I don't know if Maria's going or not. I don't know how you guys are getting there, but we're going to have a fucking time in Utah either way, and we would love to have you guys there. We can't do without you guys. Contact at the cabin.com. Other than that, enjoy this fabulous chat with the one and only... Dan Harari.
2: Harari, thanks for joining us on Gray America. How's it going?
4: Great. Thank you very much for having me. It's an exciting time for me. I'm, uh, oh, oh yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> You've been looking into this stuff for decades, and now it's uh, it's really happening. It seems.
4: Yeah, I've been uh, researching UFO history and all of these questions of the universe really for the last, tw- I'd say, twenty years, seriously. But uh, I just wrote a book that just came out March first. It's called After They Came, and my premise, you know, most of the movies and things that we see, War of the Worlds, Independence Day, you know, they come to, the aliens are coming to, you know, kill us or eat us. Um, you know, there was a famous Twilight Zone episode. I don't know if you remember, but it was called To Serve Man.
2: Yes, yes. Remember that
4: one? Yeah. And at the, you know, they think that the aliens are benevolent, and at the end they go, "Don't go on the ship. It's a cookbook." You know, to yeah. serve man. Yeah. I don't remember I was a child when I saw that.
0: Episode.
2: Yeah, not serve as in service, serve as in to serve and for dinner. Yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah. put in yeah. a pot of hot water. Yeah. So um, my book presents the, the premise what if benevolent aliens come to Earth in the near future and simply come to help us and, and solve our problems? And the backstory is uh, this book really was birthed by a number of things. Um, My dad passed away in 2017. My father worked for the U.S. Army for 45 years at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, and he was an electronics engineer. Top secret work. He never told anyone what he did ever, including my mother, who's still alive. And uh, Graham, the interesting thing is the following story. In 1970, my dad picked me up from school about four o'clock in the afternoon, driving me home in New Jersey, suburban neighborhood. Right. You know, sun, daylight. And this, as I'm in the car. It's enormous, enormous silver V, letter V like Victor, craft, silver V was hovering over our car and just stopped over above our neighborhood. So I'm in the passenger seat and I go, Dad, stop the car. Stop. Oh, my God. Stop the car. A UFO, a UFO. I'm 14 years old. So my father stops the car. We pull off. We get out of the, our doors of the car. We look up, and I'm jumping up and down like a lunatic because it was like seeing one of the pyramids of Egypt in the sky. You know, it's like, what the hell is this? It's unbelievable. So I'm jumping up and down. Dad, dad, we saw a UFO, UFO. My father, Grand, my father looked at it like he was buying lettuce at the supermarket. He looked at it like <sighs> no expression, no surprise, nothing, nothing whatsoever. And then he did the best part of the story. He looked at me and winked. He goes, let's go home now. Wow. I forgot that story until after my father died. I forgot that that had happened. So 2017, he passed away. A couple of days later, I'm at a restaurant, ordered a sandwich, and I'm waiting for my sandwich. And and I don't know, divine inspiration, but my book, After They Came, came into my head and told a whole story. It's, an, it's about a man who finds out after his dad dies that his father was a UFO researcher and actually had befriended aliens 70 years in the past. So, so, so that's where that came from. I just did Alien Con in Pasadena a couple of weekends ago, and I just did UFO Con this last week in San Francisco. So it's a, really a fun time for me.
2: So what well what are those um <clears throat> what are those conferences like nowadays with all this uh I mean this is really the first time we've ever seen the media be so blatantly calling things objects in the sky like they didn't even use UAP or anything like that. they used like objects for some reason so um you know I don't necessarily trust the the, the regular story and all that but what what are the conferences like now that I went to uh UFO Congress in 2013. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting year then, but a lot has happened in 10 years.
4: Well, I've gone to several Alien Con. I live in Beverly Hills, California. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not rich, but I do live in Beverly Hills, California. Um, Alien Con was in Pasadena. So I went the whole weekend and was selling my book there. Uh, In in years, in recent years, it was much, much, much bigger because uh, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, man, that place was packed. You know, thousands and thousands of people. Why? Georgio Tsukalos, right? Ancient aliens. I mean, that's a hit TV show with our our crowd, our people that are curious and have open hearts and open minds and want to are open to extreme possibilities. So, in years past, there were many, many thousands. This last time, it was much smaller. If people still had masks, quite a few people still had masks on. Giorgio was there, Eric Von Daniken was there, Nick Pope was there, um, Paul Hynek was there, George Knapp was there. You know, it was sort of the greatest, uh, the greatest hits. Jeremy Corbell, Paul, Paul Hynek. It was the greatest hits of the Ancient Alien crowd. And um, I wasn't able to go to the seminars because I was selling my book at my booth. But uh, one of the talks of the show. Was the recent, you know, the three recent uh, downings that uh, happened over Canada, Alaska, Lake Huron? Uh, what I heard was that the, the premise was that that those were possibly alien drones. They were unmanned alien drones, and that's when they were shot down. Um, we all know about the Chinese balloon. It was on front page news. You know, China, 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 China. Okay, we know that that's from China. How about the three that came the next week? You know, President Biden. How about those? You know, why don't you tell us the truth about what those were? They never did. They never revealed what they were. They never showed them recovered on television. They everything was mis like a magician misdirects. Look at this hand. Don't look at this hand. The three over Canada. That was don't look at this hand. Look at the China balloon. It was. It was. I believe they were other worldly crafts. And the talk at the Alien Con was that they were alien drones that were unmanned.
2: Wow! So aren't people skeptical that they that they would be able to shoot down an alien drone?
4: You know that's a, a, such a great question. My theory is that the aliens were like, you know what? Shoot us down. It's okay. We're
2: it's getting just a drone. Yeah,
4: to, we're getting closer to disclosure every day, every week. Um, at UFOCon San Francisco this weekend, I met Steve Bassett. Steve oh, Bassett. Boy. He's such an interesting character. But his new hashtag says months, not years. Hashtag months, not years. <laughs> he's all about disclosure happening, you know, uh, uh, you know May 15th this year. He's, he's right there. So my theory is that anything that the aliens let us shoot down, they're letting us shoot down for a reason. So perhaps it, it's just to get us the closer step to disclosure. That's my theory. And it is weird
2: how they talk about the wreckage being in are dra- dragging it up from the lake. And then that's all the last thing you hear about it. You know, it's, they let, they let these things down over, uh, you know, difficult areas to salvage. And, uh, and then you don't hear anything about it.
4: Well, the China balloon, right. Off the coast of South Carolina, that was on CNN, man. They showed yeah. the ship, they showed the ships on CNN, getting the white balloon and, and the the tech out of the sea, dripping wet. We saw that. So so the Yukon or Alaska or Lake Huron can't be that much harder than the Atlantic Ocean, really. Yeah, exactly. So I, I believe we got everything. We know what it is. I thought President Biden was going to have some balls and tell us, you know what, I have to confess, it's time for me to tell you this. But, you know, he might not know. He might not know. The theory in the UFO community is sort of the descendants of the majestic twelve people, you know, not blood relatives, but majestic twelve and then the next, you know, each decade after the the, the the Cheneys, the Dick Cheneys of the world, they know. They they know. They know all things. They've kept it from us all this time. There's reasons why they've kept it from us. The 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 big theory is, you know, people will panic in the street. You know, Orson Wells, 1938 War of the World broadcast, you know, thousands of people across the country screaming in the streets. The Martians are coming, the Martians are coming. Think about that, how remarkable that is, right? So Roswell happened 47, uh, uh nine nine years later. So Truman goes, Well, Orson Wells just did that thing. People were panicking. Truman goes, I can't have people panic in the streets. So Majestic 12. But today, the theory is aliens would give us new technology. They would they would eliminate oil and gas and nuclear energy. They would change the global economy and and the powers that be, the billionaires and the trillionaires. They don't want they don't want the aliens to give us the free energy.
2: So. Was there any talk about blue beam at all? Not that
4: I not that I heard. I don't know wow. what that is. What
2: that? That's the that's the false flag, uh, like that they're gonna say it's an invasion. Like getting back to the movies and all, like they've been prepping us for sort of like the nasty ET's and blue beam would be some sort of like um, you know a covert military operation that makes it look like we're being visited or or invaded, and it could even be a religious like there's kind of a religious blue beam too. It could be like who knows apparitions in the sky, whatever kind of 3D holography that they that they're doing.
4: Um well, well I don't know that I, I don't know why they would need to do that. Why can't they just tell us the truth, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly.
4: Why go to such lengths? They're already here, they've been here for tens of thousands of years. There's so much evidence all over the world. And you know, Eric Vontanakin and Zachariah Sitchin and people back in the sixties were telling us the this, this stuff. Millions of people believed. Millions of people don't believe. My mother always goes, Danny, enough with the alien. It's enough <laughs> with the aliens!" My mother thinks I'm batshit, might be great. Enough with the aliens.
2: Dad. And your dad never talked about it at all with you guys?
4: So he never did. So think about this, right? So when, when we saw this event and he had no expression and he winked at me, right? So after he died, I thought, my father must have known what that was. Exactly. I, I'm serious. Seriously, I had a light bulb. A light bulb went off over my, at this deli. I'm waiting for my sandwich. and a light bulb. And I had this story. What if this man goes through life and he discovers his father was a major UFO guy decades in the past and befriended aliens? That's the premise of this book. And uh, my mother, after my dad died, I called my mother and I said, um, did dad ever talk about aliens or UFOs at all? And she said when he started work at Fort Monmouth in 1951, this is only four years after Roswell, 51. She said they took him deep into the vaults and they showed him something top secret. And they said, you can never tell anyone as long as you live what what you saw here today. And my mother said he came home. He was white and like shaking. And he told my mother, I saw something today I can never tell you or anyone about as long as I live. Now, what could that have been, really? Let's think about this. What could that, nuclear bombs already had happened, okay? Uh, I saw a giant UFO with my father, <laughs> he looked at it like, you know, I should have used more silver paint on that wing in the back there. I mean, he looked yeah, like, but- like it was his car. He looked at it like he was watching his car go by. So if my dad was involved in reverse engineering or anything, we'll never know. We'll never know, but. After he died and I had that light bulb, I thought, what perhaps my father knew more than he ever told anybody.
2: So, what got you interested if you didn't remember that like detail until after he passed away? What got you interested about 20 years ago? Like, what
1: because um, that would have
2: been what, like mid what when was that? Two, it was about two, early, early 2000s, yeah, yeah, okay.
4: Oh, 304. I was at a a, ball, a mall in LA, I was waiting for a girlfriend at the time, we were going to go see a movie. And I was early, so I went to the bookstore downstairs. And for the first time in my life, I saw the uh, paranormal book aisle. There was a huge paranormal book style. And I, you know, aliens, UFOs, crop circles, ghosts, poltergeists, past lives, reincarnation, all these things. And, and it was another light bulb. I was like, you know, I'm ignorant. Man. I'm an ignorant person in life. I don't know about any of these things. These are not things. You know, I studied communications in college. I was a writer in high school. I was a drummer in high school. I was into rock band. So now 20 years ago, I'm I'm, I'm seeing crop circles, which I had heard of. I didn't really know anything about it. So I bought, and I bought like this many books, like as many as I could carry. And I read them all. And then I joined MUFON. I joined MUFON, and I think it was in 07, a couple of years later. So I went to the MUFON LA meetings for years and years. That's where I met Giorgio. I met Giorgio in 07 and uh he gave the whole ancient aliens theory uh as as he learned from eric von danica and at the end of that lecture graham i actually went up to Giorgio and i hugged him and i said man you just opened my eyes uh, like i can't believe i now have a different view of the world thanks to you and that's true so since then more study more study um books documentaries lectures in 1996, the second UFO I saw with my son when he was eight in the high desert in Lancaster, California, my son and my daughter and my wife, ex-wife moved there after my divorce. So my son and I were looking at the sky with his new telescope. He was a little boy, now he's 35, so he was eight at the time. And we saw a in the far right-hand corner of the sky, it was like an egg-shaped light. I'd say an egg-shaped light, off-white, off off-yellow off color, and it flew very slowly but very steadily all the way across the entire sky in a straight line, in a straight line. And I thought it was a satellite. I'm like, that has to be a satellite. What, what else could that be? Then it stopped for maybe 20, 30 seconds at the left side of the sky. It stopped, and then it reversed course, and it went all the way back where it just come from in the same line. And I was jumping, oh, my God, where's the TV news when you need the TV news? Where's the camera? You know, this is before even cell phones. I, I didn't have a cell phone. So that's the second one I saw. Third one I saw was 2008. You know James Gilliland?
0: Yep. The ranch. Yep. Gilliland Ranch. Is that the Esetti Ranch?
4: Esetti Ranch. That's exactly right. So in 08, he gave a lecture at MUFOT LA, and he said, hey, July 4th weekend, come up to my ranch. I have a, uh, I'm going to have a UFO uh, weekend. So, my girlfriend at the time and I spent the weekend up at his ranch. And um, I remember uh, William Henry spoke. They talked about orbs. They talked about ancient Egypt. They showed movies during the day. And then at night, it's at the base of Mount Adams. You probably, if you've been there,
2: I have them in Washington
0: or Oregon.
4: It's Washington State, and, and it's uh, at the base of Mount Adams. Apparently, it used to be a Indian, uh, it was an Indian reservation for hundreds of years. The, the Indians used to live there. At night, there were about maybe two, 300 people. So at night, they would build a bonfire and sing songs and play guitars and tambourines and dance around the fire. Friday night we all danced around and sang and danced, nothing happened in the sky. Saturday night sang and danced, nothing happened in the sky. Sunday night, nothing's happening. I said to my girlfriend, I go, you know what, let's let's leave early. We'll beat the traffic. Let's go, you know. it's, it's nothing's happening. As I said, like two decades after I saw I said that. A giant thing. I, I can't even describe it, maybe a teardrop shape, but it was a bright emerald green, dark emerald green color very bright uh, so the light was backed by a large black thing it showed up over us spinning around and then it it, it flashed its lights on and off three or four times uh, directly above us as if to say hello we're wow. here we see you we're here we know you're there I hope you're doing okay happy Fourth of July and then then it grabbed it, it took off it, it vanished it, so, so I started crying. People st- literally were crying. We were hugging, kissing. Oh, <laughs> wow! Oh, man. man, we saw this thing. That was in eight. Those were my three UFOs that I saw with my own eyes.
0: Which one's your favorite?
4: I gotta go with my dad because my dad's was remarkable. It was it was daylight. It was huge. It was so obvious, and the fact that he knew what, what this thing was. I I, I believe that one was military in retrospect, Graham. I think that one was military. I really, I do. I really do. The other two, I think were not from this world.
0: What's your take on crop circles?
4: I've just read about it, seen some documentaries. I believe they're giving us messages in code and we're not advanced enough to figure out what they're trying to tell us. It could be the cure for cancer. You know, I mean, it could be the cure for cancer. These are incredible designs and details. And they say, oh, it's men with planks. These are not men with planks. If you've seen some of these things, we, we couldn't make these. Today, We could, our scientists couldn't make most of them. Not men with planks. I think it's signs that, hey, schmucky humans, schmuckos, we're here. We've been here. We're trying to reach you. And here's some messages. But I don't think we're smart enough to figure out what they are.
2: Or maybe not open enough yet or accepting enough, maybe, you know, I'm sure, sure some people, I'm sure some people could figure it out. I mean, downloads, uh, all these things happen, like even just your book, you mentioned it. I mean, I was talking to somebody today that sort of has these downloads, too. Like, it happens a lot now. So, I mean, I'm sure, somebody could sort of figure out what these things are if they open themselves up to it.
4: I believe that. I believe that. I met some really wonderful people this last weekend at UFO Con. And several of them, and, and I don't believe that they're lying, okay? don't believe they're lying. But several of the people I met, I swear they've been abducted multiple times. This one guy uh, has been abducted since the age of two by the Pleiadian. Pla- they're tall, white, beautiful Nordic aliens. He said they're just stunningly beautiful. He knows this one woman. She calls herself Maya. Mm-hmm. and he and he said that they've taught him how to love and be peaceful and harmonic harmony with the world um there's a lady there i met ella Lebain. you should have her on there. she's incredible ella Lebain. she told me she's met the messiah in in israel she met the messiah as a as a visionary creature from the future he came to her and said hello i'm yeshua i'm i'm the messiah i'm here to help you She had a heart attack. Yeshua showed up at her hospital bed, helped her live through a major heart attack. Um, She's met people. There's a guy named Don
0: Cain who's been abducted since the age of two. Is Yeshua the same as Yahweh?
4: Yeshua is Hebrew. Believe it or not, it's Hebrew for Jesus. How's that? That's pretty cool. He he told Ella, my name is Yeshua. Yeshua in the Hebrew Bible is, is what later became
2: Jesus. Is Yahweh the older name for that same thing, I think?
4: I'm I'm Jewish. Uh, when I grew up, you know, I, I read Hebrew. Uh, Yahweh or Adonai or Yehovah. You know, these are, these are the names of God in Hebrew. But I'd never heard of Yeshua until I met Ella the other day. She told me Yeshua was the Messiah, and she knows him. And I thought that's the coolest thing I've ever heard, right? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> She said, Dan, if you call out to Yeshua when you have a problem, maybe he'll help you. I said, That'd be great. I hope so. He said, maybe he can pay my income tax bill for me or something.
2: <laughs> so have you ever gone out and, and looked for them at all? Have you ever do these CE5s? Or we go out sometimes in Calgary. Well we used to. I don't I don't go out as much anymore, but um and we saw it, like your egg-shaped light, it reminded me of one of those that we call it like a low flyer. We saw a light come come through silent just slowly across the whole sky, similar to what you said. Right. And, and, and not like too high up, like you couldn't see craft shape, but you could see that it wasn't uh it wasn't a plane. It wasn't a drone making noise. It was super silent and it was clo- within airspace. Like it was close, close enough that it wasn't like satellite or, or a star. And, and I mean, we saw a bunch of them and, you know, we'd go out and as, as a group and kind of meditate with, love in our hearts and good intentions and we had some pretty good successes that's excellent we the is one...
0: me just for the record
2: we, we yeah we as I was... me and a group yeah darren hasn't gone yet but i was oh, okay.
0: forbidden to go You're darren you gotta get which, your ass out. which brings that's up a question i need to ask you because yes. obviously you've been to east setting ranch i've heard some rumors and uh feel, I'm, right I'm the rumor there the is has... that that there's no cannabis law is that true
4: This was in 08, um, to be honest. I think people were smoking weed when I was there. Okay, yeah, that,
2: that might have been before the rule, Darren. <laughs> I
4: don't know. Actually, Darren, it, it, it wasn't called Seti. It was called the James Gilliland Ranch. It, it's before it became, maybe with Seti, I don't know if he has new financial partners. Uh, but I think, I'm pretty sure there was weed. <laughs> no, I didn't, I haven't smoked weed since high school, but that's a whole nother story. Uh Graham, so the light that you saw that was low, did it stop and then reverse course? No, it didn't
2: happened? no, it didn't. No, but it went all the way by. And then another one came by uh I don't remember if it was one or two hours later, almost to that time again, and it came by uh, in a similar, not in the exact same spot, but in a similar spot. We saw it twice that night. That's very cool. Well, the one I it saw- seemed like a scout. It seemed like a, in a way like a scout thing or something, you know.
4: The one I saw, like, your, like the, we said, the egg shape, it was, it was pretty high up and it was very bright and it was moving steadily. I thought it was a satellite a, a, or a comet, a meteor, or an asteroid. Because I, I said it out loud, okay, it has to be one of those things. And the way it traveled, I'm like, cool, this is cool. I've tell my son, this is so cool. Then it stopped. And when it stopped, I'm like, oh, I wonder why, you know, what, 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 what could stop? Really, think about that. What could stop? in the sky that high and that, that, far. And then it reversed course and went back the same exact path. They had just taken. And I said, well, there's nothing man-made that can do that. And it's not an asteroid, because an asteroid isn't going to reverse course. So,
2: Do you still think there's nothing man-made that can do that? Like, has your view changed at all from the ETH to like, especially with your dad, maybe working on these things for, 40 years i mean have you thought about like who's flying around those big black triangles like those is, aren't all easy
0: Is eth the
2: extraterrestrial hypothesis yeah okay yeah um i you know listen honestly i'm
4: guessing about my father I'm gonna no no saying- I,
2: I know i know <laughs> but
4: but but I believe but that must
2: have, but I guess that must have put you in a mind frame to think about the government working on tech. I guess is what I meant by that.
4: You know, I, I think you know Bob Lazar, Area Fifty One guy's a hero. You know, his life's been threatened. He's been t- telling us for years and years. He worked there. He reversed it, reverse engineered real UFOs. They're real. They're here. Um, Bigelow a few years ago. Uh, said, you know, we have technology from aliens. He was, I think it was on 60 minutes. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the triangle, I think the big ugly metal thing, you know, cause men, men aren't that creative. You know, I think the big giant, abhorrently ugly things are military. You know, I think the emerald green light that I saw. It, it, said he, it was so beautiful I think it was so beautiful I don't think men would have made that one You know So I, and, I do no,
2: believe, and also I do the believe. emotions And also the emotions that people had Like that seems like it happened For a greater reason Than just uh, the, the physical sighting of it You know like I feel like you, you guys all wouldn't have sort of cried And hugged if it was a military craft <laughs> Exactly that's Exactly right it
4: had. There was an emotional component it would be like if E.T., you know, not, it would be like if E.T., the alien, rang your doorbell, said, hello. You know, my name is Bill. I'm from planet, you know, Corp. Barg, and I just wanted to say hello. And here I am. Oh, you know, how you doing? That's like the green UFO with flashing light on and off. It was saying hello to us. And people started to cry. I had tears in my eyes. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't military. There's no way.
2: Do you have groups in in your area like CE five groups at all? Or have you ever tried that? C SETI.
4: There are groups here. I just joined the LA UFO group. It's called the LA UFO uh, meetup group. I just joined. I'm going to do a talk with them in late April. I'll tell you the truth. I I I'm a Hollywood publicist. I've been a publicist for forty years. I have my own company. I work I work hard. You know. I uh, I've had hundreds of clients. I've met every famous celebrity almost you could think of uh i've supported children i supported my ex-wife i've made a lot of money i've spent a lot of money so i don't i don't have that much time to go out and look but now that I'm, I'm about to turn 67 i need to start slowing down and looking up instead of at my phone i need to start looking up more you know
2: yeah there you go man that'd be great look up your local ce5 group or whatever and head out with them and get some real sightings Do you
4: know know Earl Grey Anderson? Uh,
2: I think I've heard the name, but I'm not sure.
4: So I met him in Alien Con. He is resurrecting MUFON Los Angeles. MUFON LA has been gone for about four years. Wow. So he's bringing it back in April. Very nice guy. Um, Between Alien Con and UFO Con, I met a lot of uh, people who are really hardcore into this field. I've been handing it, I've been selling my book, but I've also like, I gave my book to Nick Pope, I gave my book to Eric Von Daniken. I gave it to Giorgio. I gave it to Paul Heineck and George Knapp. I'm trying to promote my book. In addition to sell it, I'm also, you know, I'm like, I'm like, hi, you know, I'm new to to your world, George Knapp. But can if you read my book, maybe you'll have me on coast to coast. You know, that's what I've, <laughs> that's what I've been up to. But, I love what you said. I really, I got to get my ass outdoors more often. You're absolutely
2: correct. Well, I get the sense that there's a lot of people. There's probably a lot of groups in your area. There's a, a lot of people that are probably into this. Um, we only have one group in Calgary that's kind of fledgling now. I mean, there was you know quite a few few of us out there, maybe 10 or 20 at one point, checking you know, it out. But
4: What was interesting at AlienCon, uh, a lot of the people that came to me at my booth to talk to me were um either milit like engine like my dad, engineers with the military. A lot of these guys. And they were like, you know, we did a lot of weird stuff and we can't talk about it. But, you know, this this subject has always interested me and I wish we knew more. And uh, you know, I found that interesting that military and engineers are just as interested in this as Jane Smith from Wisconsin
2: well, I have a bit of a theory going about these objects the three that we talked about that were shot down in Canada and the u s that yeah. that will be used to um to get ahead of this uh new energy technology kind of stuff, you know, like, oh, well, we, we, we shot those things down and we've, uh, we've sort of taken a look and it's uh, there's a, an exotic technology. We don't know who made it and uh, it's not safe and we got to protect the world from any new technology. Like, I, I have a sense that they're going to be trying to get ahead of the, uh, uh, the outpouring of new technology with these.
4: I think our government gives Russia and China too much credit. You know, OK, Russia, uh, China did a, a, an amazing balloon. It was probably the most amazing balloon in history. OK, absolutely incredible balloon. China made the balloon. Everyone knows China made the balloon. The other three things. Well, you know, they were probably also China balloon. No. They, ha, what, why would you why would you say that? Because one happened to so the other three are all they're not apples and oranges, completely separate things. And they know, they got them, in. They got them. They know what they are. They don't want to tell us. We're not ready. Apparently, we're not ready yet.
2: But we are ready. I mean, I think they're, see, this is my, why would they tease it like that? They teased it. They're like, hey, we shot down an object. Not a plane, not a drone, right. not a balloon, right. is an right. object.
4: And we don't know what it is. And yet when we're not we-
2: ready? Like, why are you telling us that then? Why are you letting that out in the headlines?
4: Well, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying we're not ready. I believe we are ready. Yeah, yeah. You know,
2: no, I know. I know. But in their eyes, yeah.
4: The Majestic 12, and, and if it's Biden, if the Pentagon guys, if Dick Cheney is still even alive, you know. Did you ever hear the, the, the radio interview, Graham, when Dick Cheney he was on the radio years ago? He was VP, and someone called in and said, Mr. Vice President, can you tell us about aliens and UFOs? And he goes, do you think I would tell you? He's done live on the air. He goes, do you think I would tell you? He didn't say it's nonsense. It's bullshit. There's no such thing. He goes, oh, I think he said, do you think if I knew I would tell you? That's what he said. <laughs> he knows. George Bush Sr., head of the CIA, he knew. Reagan knew. I think the more modern presidents have not been told. People at UFOCon said Reagan knew. Reagan knew quite well. Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, and Gorbachev. Apparently made a pact that the three of them wouldn't tell anybody.
3: Wow.
2: Well, I mean, it is a way. It is a chance to get a hold of uh, uh, glo- to to bring us all together as well. I mean, it really is. I mean, that's why I was so shocked when Bassett Bassett was so upset when when Hillary didn't win. He was he was. I was like, wow, he's so upset. I didn't realize how how politically was, but he was furious. Cause you really thought Hillary was going to like disclose this to everybody. And, um, and Have I think seen- there is, there is a strategy there. That's like, Hey, we can bring the world together by, by disclosing this, you know,
4: I think whoever the president is that discloses will be, will be a hero. Um, you've probably seen Obama and Clinton on Jim, on Jimmy uh, Kimmel. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, okay, aliens, UFOs and, Obama kind of like <laughs> and like turned his head and Clinton goes, you know, I, tr- I tried, man. I tried for years that they wouldn't tell me. They, okay. They wouldn't tell me. He's the president of the United States.
2: Well, Carter had his own sighting too, right? Carter had a sighting that was famous.
4: Reagan saw two. Reagan saw two. Reagan was very much into it. Here's a good, here's a good story. I don't know if you've heard this one. And I should have asked him when I met him. I met Steven Spielberg in 2010 at a Hollywood event I was working at. And uh, the story goes when he showed the movie E.T. At, oh. the White, at the White House for President Reagan. This is the story. And I, if I could go back and me, re-meet Stephen, I would ask him <laughs> this. question. And according to the story, Reagan said to Stephen after he saw E.T., Stephen, you have no idea how real this stuff is. Something like that. He just saw E.T., Reagan told Spielberg, you know, that's just such a wonderful story. I wish that, I hope that was true.
2: I do. I remember hearing that many years ago. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of slowed down a little bit on looking cause I was like, I don't know what we're making contact with. And I started to get a bit skeptical with making contact, trying to make contact with any kind of thing, any kind of being anything. And, and I, I read a couple books books um, that were kind of saying like, why aren't they helping us already? Like, I mean, your book is talking about them coming, you know, coming to help us. I'm like, why aren't they doing that already? Then we're in trouble here. Like come and help us. But they expect this sort of uh, grassroots movement across the world to create an open belief system enough that, you know, everybody will, you know, resonate enough that they can come now. I mean, I don't know. I just, I kind of reached the stage where I was like, okay, like, you know, we've made contact. I felt like I had, we made enough contact with something. Why aren't you coming to help us, you know?
4: I, you know, ancient alien theory is that they've been here for tens of thousands of years. That's a, I believe that to be a fact. It explains the pyramids. It explains cities that are under the oceans that were washed away, you know, 50, 100,000 years ago. Our, our ancestors were cavemen with sticks, sticks and twigs and berries. You know, our, our our caveman ancestors didn't build cities that are underneath Japan from sixty five, seventy thousand 70,000 years ago. I don't think our human beings built the pyramid. How does human, my mother goes, they had ropes and pulleys. They had ropes, oh, Mom, they had ropes and pulleys. That's how they did the, 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 the pyramids. Each block is like a 32 tons. They had ropes and pulleys. No, I don't, I don't think so. I really don't think so. Um, there's many different ra apparently. I don't know this, but there's many different races. Some are, are benevolent, some are kind, some are like scientists, some are like ET. They just want to study and, and leave us alone. The guy next to me at UFOCon is with a group and they believe that they're dangerous and they're going to take over. Wow. And they're ma- malevolent, malevolent. And, uh, they're just going to brainwash us and herd us like cattle and take over. And he was, this guy was dead. I forget the name of his group, but he was dead serious. And I was right next to him. I'm selling my book. You know, hi. My book has happy aliens. And they come and they they eliminate nuclear weapons and they cure cancer. Isn't it great? And people are buying my book. And then this guy, oh, man, they're going to they're gonna kill us. They're going to kill all of us. They're going to eat us. They're going to pick our brains. They're going to study us. They're here. They're not nice. They're not kind. And so I, at one point I said, "Look, man, I hope I'm not b- bumming you out with my benevolent book." He goes, "Dude, you know, believe what you can believe what you want to believe, but I know my stuff is real." You know, so who, who knows? Who knows what's real anymore?
2: We had a great, uh, a great chat with um, Samuel Chong. Is that his name, Darren? Samuel Chong.
0: Samuel Chong. And, and yep. he
2: he helped bring this book about it about a guy who was abducted for ten days. Apparently, He was a French guy from France. And um the story seemed really to uh, for an abduction story like that and he helped bring this book to China and Taiwan um I think he helped translate it or bring it to to those countries and it's quite popular there now but it really resonated with just common sense kind of stuff you know like this is kind of what an what an alien guide would be saying to somebody who they abducted and all that and they talked about nuclear nuclear war and how they said that every planet or every evolution goes through this phase. Like it always comes about where they, they learn how to split the atom or they, they learn how to, <clears throat> to make these atomic uh, energies and weapons. And it's like a phase that we have to kind of get through.
4: Well, you know, the theories are that since 1947 Roswell and, and since then they've been coming more often. Why? Well, we dropped two atomic bombs in '45. Uh, you know, Kenneth Arnold saw the UFOs June '47. Roswell was July '47. So, and now you know, with digital cameras and technology, there, there, there's so many videos, man. I mean, there's so many photos. Uh, if if three quarters of these are man-made, there's still a quarter that are out of the, literally out of this world. They're just from elsewhere. I have recently became friends with Kathleen Martin. Do you know Kathleen? Yeah. Yep. Over over the uh, email. She gave me a, a very nice quote from my book. And uh I think the Betty and Barney Hill story, her her aunt and uncle, you know, I've read that book with Stanton Friedman and Kathleen. I've read that book three times. I'm like, wow man, they did not make this up. You know, they, they had nightmares for years and years. They were a black and white couple at, at that time. They didn't want to call attention to themselves. He was a postman. You know, he wasn't like trying to get on the cover of people magazine. They wanted to, <laughs> they wanted to live their lives. You know, they were, See, they, were it, they were, they were abducted. I mean, I mean they that's the feeling
2: I, that's the feeling I get from a lot of contactees and abductees. I mean, a lot of them are reluctant to, to bring it out. A lot of them, it takes, take takes some of them a long time before they decide to, to put right. themselves out there.
4: Right. And, and, you know, that on its face, If they're not seeking publicity or money or fame, but you, but you, like, again, I met a lot of people at UFOCon who tell me they've been abducted most of their, at least five, most of their lives, they've been abducted. And they're a little bit hesitant, but once they embrace the phenomenon and the fact that they're special and that they have something to share with others, they're, you know, and these people are all 50, fifty to sixty-five years old. The people I would, I met. It took them. It took them a long time to be able to tell the world. You know, I know this sounds a little bit off, but these things happened to me, and I'm going to tell you my story, and hopefully you'll you'll believe. Me.
2: Yeah. Do you are you going to contact in the desert at all?
4: I'm thinking about that one. I'm thinking about that one. If I had more money, I there, there's, there's so many. Yeah. Is
2: that the Stephen idea. Greer one? no uh that's um uh no i don't know who i think it's actually just contacted the desert it's quite a large one it's only three days this year i think but there's a shit ton of people speaking there like a, a i was actually gonna volunteer there's there there was some volunteer spots open they you could fill yeah. out these applications to volunteer and i thought should i go down there and do that oh yeah good. you should I'd that'd be, be great for the show and that would be yeah, great. That would show. be good for the ten-year
0: reunion of oh, Remember that's you went right. down to The first year you went down and hung out. You were a volunteer.
2: I was a vo- yeah. I volunteered at the at the Congress. That would be good for my resume. You Burned
0: holidays. It? Yeah, you burned holidays. Do that back when you had a <laughs> <Yeah>. day job. <laughs> that would be
4: excellent. You should do. That. I'm a publicist, man. You should do that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I met Steve Bassett the other night, Saturday night, and I gave him my book. And as I he had he was eating dinner with friends. I didn't want to bother him. I said, "Stephen, I have a book. I'd love for you to read it." And as I was walking away, I, I turned and I said, "By the way," I said, "By the way, I'm a Hollywood publicist for profession." He goes, "Graham," he goes, "You're a Hollywood publicist? Really? You are?" He digs in his pants. He pulled out a, a handful of business cards. He goes, "Please call me. Please call me." He's like he threw business cards at me because you got to call me. I got to work with you. You got to. Justine so Bassett. I'm going to call him tomorrow. He's going to be, he's going to be my new best
2: friend. That guy. <laughs> months not years. Hashtag months not years. Months not years.
4: And you know the story of Travis Walton. I'm sure you know that. Yeah, I
2: met I met him at the 2013 thing. He was there. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he Travis
0: could. Walton is a guy from. Fire in, Fire, Fire in the Sky, sky which is yeah. from Close Encounters. Or whatever?
2: No, no, it's yeah, just no, a, it was that? just his own abduction uh, story that got made into a movie that didn't really do it justice. Man.
0: Right. So
4: for my book, uh, Graham, last fall, getting ready to promote it. I reached out to a number of people to get advanced quotes on my book. I got Nick Pope, Richard Dolan, Lynn Kitai, Chase Klutsky, and I got Travis Walter. And they're on the back of the book. And I also got Kathleen Martin the other day. But Travis, this is the best thing I got. He goes, um, Dan Harari's book could serve as the basis of an entertaining film at that at that table, Uh, uh, (laughs) which I can't say the word. But Travis wants me to make my book into a movie. How great would that be? I should call my friend Steven Spielberg.
2: Yeah, there you go. Well, so what? So where are these aliens from in your book? Like, tell us a bit more about your book.
4: Okay, so uh, the book starts out. It's the story of a man who's about, who's turning 70. His, his 70th birthday is here. He hates his life. He's miserable. He's depressed. He lost track with his kids. Uh, his business is a failure. He just hates his life. He wants it to, to be over. So he goes to Balibu, takes off his clothes, drinks vodka, takes pills, goes out to the Pacific Ocean on his 70th birthday, swims out to sea, and drowns. Okay, that's the opening. That's the first chapter of my book. The man is drowning and, he, and he's very happy to be drowning. As he's drowning, a huge an enormous UFO comes out of the Pacific, right where he was, right over him, beams him on board, and then slowly flies over at Los Angeles to Dodger Stadium. Now, it's so huge and big and so obviously not man made. Police, the fire engines, the ambulances, the media, uh, police, cops, guns, everybody's racing to Dodger Stadium because they want to see what the hell's going on at Dodger Stadium. So this thing stops at Dodger Stadium and it beams down a beautiful, tall, white, Nordic male alien, seven feet tall, white hair, beautiful, tall, blonde woman, six feet tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. And this guy, now this guy's naked and dripping wet because they just flipped him out of the ocean. They saved his life. So he's like hanging there. And they the aliens go, people of the world, do not fear us. We are here to help you. We've been here for tens of thousands of years. Um, we felt now was the time for us to help mankind with your insolvable problems. And here's the one caveat is we will only work through this man and you know, the naked guy hanging there because we have a relationship with him and uh, he's our conduit to mankind. So if you have problems that you need solved, go to this guy. This guy will go to us and we'll help you. And then, so then they leave. Now, this poor schlub is on second base at Dodger Stadium naked. And all the media in the world, cameras and microphones and guns and everything. And he's looking up like, what the hell just happened to me? All I wanted to do was drown on my birthday. I'm suicidal. That's how the show opens. They pick him up, they put him in an army truck. They fly him to D.C. He meets with the president of the United States. The president in my book is basically Oprah Winfrey, black (laughs) African-American woman uh, in her 70s. She says, uh, his name is Jonathan Tuckerman. She goes, Mr. Tuckerman, who are you? What's going on? Why did aliens save you out of the the ocean? What the hell is happening? He goes, Madam President, I, I don't have the slightest idea. I could not tell you in a million years what just happened to me. I have no idea. So they, it turns out they believe the aliens are benevolent. They set this guy up at the UN. They give him an office at the UN with a staff. He's reunited with his long lost son and daughter, and they form Team Tuckerman. Team Tuckerman every month meets with the aliens on the on the ship above the UN, and they solve, they eliminate nuclear weapons, they eliminate disease, they cure famine, they cure the shortage of clean water. They reverse nuclear. uh, They reverse climate change. Um, They provide free energy, so we don't need oil and gas. And every month for a year, the aliens do remarkable things. Uh, And at the end of that first year, Graham, this guy, the schlub who was killing himself, a year later, he wins the the Nobel Peace Prize. (laughs) Okay, so that's that's how the story goes. Later in the book, he finds out. That his dad had a relationship with one of these aliens
3: uh-huh.
2: and,
4: and saved the alien's life seventy years earlier before the lead character was even born. So now seventy years later, which is the present, that's why this alien came to save this guy out of the Pacific Ocean.
2: That, oh, that's, that's cool. Yeah, that's yeah. That's a big,
4: that sounds, big picture of the story.
2: Yeah, yeah. I like it. Are you gonna put it into an audio book at all at some point?
4: Uh, I met a guy at AlienCon who wants to record it for me, and he wants 10 grand, and I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend 10, <laughs> 10 grand. So I'm trying to figure out a barter if I give him some PR. We're, 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 I'm talking to a guy. Several people ask me if it's audio. Yeah, you
2: should. Yeah, it's really, I think it's important these days to get on audio. Yeah. Okay. Thank you some, for telling some, me that. Yeah, some authors are saying that it's they gets more traction on audio these days than, than in, in paper. So.
4: That's very good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I I I am thinking that
2: that's probably going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Darren, do you got any questions?
0: I got one. Um, if you only had, like, let's say you had five minutes to convince a skeptic about uh, the reality of the UFOs and aliens and contacts and all that, what 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 would you refer to? What case or what argument or what? What would be your go-to?
4: I would tell them to read Eric Von Danikin's Chariots of the Gods. And I would have them read Richard Dolan's book, After Disclosure. And I would have them watch an episode of Ancient Aliens when they explain how the pyramids all over the world were built. Uh, I, I would start there. Those two, and Leslie Keen, also the New York Times writer, has a book as well.
2: Yeah, we had Leslie on a few years ago. That was she was great. Yeah, yeah,
4: she's a major person. And so Graham, what, what? I have a question. What got you? What got you into this
2: world? Uh, in 1990, I was in Israel. I was traveling around Europe and the Middle East uh, as a 20 year old. 19, I was 19, 20 years old, and I saw a craft on a rooftop hostel in Tel Aviv with a bunch of friends and I came onto the roof and, and um, they were all pointing up at the sky, yelling and screaming uh, like, well, there's a UFO up there. So I ran over to them. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, Oh, we saw this thing. And it did this 90 degree turn. I'm like, I was so pissed off that I, that I didn't see it. I looked up and I, and I said, please come back. I want to see you too. Please come back. I want to see you too. And then, it, it, and, I, and then I spotted something. I go, is that it? Is that it? And they're like, yeah, that's the same thing. And it was a, like a, almost like a dodecahedron shape, like a, po- a, a polygonal shape, uh, uh. almost like a dodecahedron split in half and the halves were rotating against themselves. And the whole thing was spinning on, a, on another axis, slowly, quietly going through the sky. And it was about a 20-sided die at arm's length like size. So it was clearly an object. Wow. Clearly flying, you know, with some unknown propulsion system. It seemed like a it, it felt like a satellite because of the weird like the weird sort of spin that it had. And they all saw it twice and I saw it once and yeah, just ever since then I, you know, I researched it like crazy in the 90s and the mid to early 90s. I started going out looking for them and We didn't see anything on our own looking for them until coming to Calgary here in Alberta, looking uh, in about, I guess, seven, eight years ago, maybe we started to see activity in the sky.
4: How did you feel emotionally when you saw the one in Israel?
2: Yeah, it was pretty exciting. Yeah, it was very exciting, but I didn't have any fear or, or bliss or anything like that. It was just excitement, you know?
4: Have you seen many since then?
2: Uh, Just when we go out looking mainly, like I'm seeing quite a few going out uh, in our CE5 groups and stuff. A That's lot of great. flash bulbs, a lot of huge flash bulbs in the sky. Wow. Sometimes right. to answer, answer a question, like I would say <laughs> something in the group and it would flash and we're like, whoa, everybody'd be like, ah, you know? <laughs>
4: That's so cool. <laughs> That's great. Darren,
0: how about you, man? Have you seen some? I seen, uh, well, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff in the sky that I don't know if it's UFOs. I ha- I have seen the one I have seen that was probably like UFOs, kind of like what you were talking about, where it was, I thought, we thought it was a satellite, and the sun was shining off it, we are like, pointed it out, and talking about the fact that it was a satellite. And then uh, after it got about three quarters or two thirds of the way across from the, where We've probably seen it when it was straight above us, and when it got to about halfway between there and the horizon, it kind of took off to the north, which would have been a left turn for it. It's like took off and disappeared.
4: I, th- I think if more people had at least one profound experience, Graham, like you and I have had, uh, like 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 my mother. Okay, she's eighty eight. She she's never going to believe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> She's a child of the depression, a child of World War Two, right? They were happy that you know we weren't bomb. There was no Russia didn't bomb America in the fifties. Okay, so she's, her that tear, you know, even me. I'm almost sixty-seven. I think my my daughter is thirty-three, and her friends they know they know this stuff is real. It's generational.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah.
4: Uh, um, our ancestors they didn't learn this in school or religious class or from their parents. They learned how to survive. You know, our, my, my parents were poor that they had to survive. So I think people that have these profound experiences, like I've had three, you've had several, I think it opens your heart and your mind to extreme possibilities.
2: Yeah, I agree. One of the things we surprised us when we started the show like 10 years ago was how many people wanted to tell their stories. Like it was a it was a an, a platform for people to tell their stories. So we'd get people uh, emailing their sightings in and and talking about sightings and just be open about like hearing people's stories and yeah, people just wanted to be heard, you know.
4: Right, right. Well, you're you know you're a, a legitimate media outlet, and you know CNN isn't going to have me on talking about my book. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm befriending people like you. You know, I've done podcasts across the U.S and UK and Australia in the last month. And uh, I'm very grateful for people like you that give people like me a platform. I really appreciate it, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's it's great. It's great to meet people of like minds and and get everybody's views. My views sort of changed over the years, back and forth a little bit and like even with my sighting, I don't know I like, I don't even know what it I don't know what it is. It seems more logical that it would be ET because it was such a weird weird shape and a weird thing. But I don't know. Like I still don't know. I still don't even really have a strong opinion about it.
4: You've seen the video, I'm sure, of the light that goes over Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it stays there, and then it fl- goes flashes up straight. Okay, so that what what, what is that really? What what is that yeah. thing? I mean, yeah. that is that man made? That's not man made. Whatever that was, it was yeah, like hey hey yeah. hey. This, you know, this is important. Jerusalem is important.
2: Yeah, you know. Wasn't that right at the Dome of the Rock, too? I mean
4: Correct. Correct.
2: I mean, and it was taken from different angles. There was different cameras that saw right. it. I mean, this wasn't just uh right. Yeah, I know. I kind of I kind of gave up hope that any kind any video or any picture was gonna be good enough. Like in even in the nineties, I remember people would say you you can't prove a picture's real, you can only prove it's fake. So you kind of get stuck to a spot where you could say, oh, yeah, that one's fake. But you, if you can't prove it's fake, you still can't prove it's real. So I kind of right. lost I lost sort of like hope with any kind of disclosure over that. It just has to be like a, an acceptance of the plethora, plethora of sightings that people right. it's just an amount of evidence. that's so overwhelming that people just finally start coming around to it.
4: Right. Uh, the other day, Ella Labane. Again, you should look into her. She uh, she says there are uh, Israel is a portal. She feels that Israel is a portal. She saw all kinds of things in Israel when she lived there, and that might explain the uh, the light over the Dome of the Rock, if it's a portal.
2: Well, and my and, sighting too. And the only other person I, the only other sighting like mine that I saw after all the research I did in the '90s was a lady on Sightings in Israel <laughs> that saw the same thing I saw. So do I don't do know. If it was have, the, do you have the link to the app? No, I should try and find it, eh? That would be cool. That would be something. Because I don't know if I don't even know if to the same. We can like yeah. live review. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I should try and find it.
4: That's cool. Um, last week, I was in the, the Daily Mail newspaper in the UK, uh, a big article about me and my book and my father and my experience in 1970. So the other day, I got an email from someone in New Jersey who said, hey, Dan, you're not going to believe this. My three old my three older siblings saw the same silver V that you and your father saw in 1970. He was a couple of towns over, and he said their uh, my siblings their whole lives thought maybe they were losing their minds until they read my article, and, and they said it's the only validation in their whole lives since 1970 that that sighting really happened. I thought that was really cool.
2: That's fantastic. I know I've been trying to get a hold of for all these years. Oh, I, I'm not still trying, but I tried many times to get a hold of. This is a call out to David Miller, the 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 English the English bloke that I saw this with that I have not talked to since 1990, and I'd love to chat with him about it.
4: Oh, you got to track him down.
2: I, I tried, but down. you know, there's a million David Millers. Eh? It's the, probably uh, the most common English <laughs> name. You know?
4: Yeah, yeah. God <laughs> forbid it could be David Rabinowitz or something easier. Yeah, yeah. To <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, this has uh, been a bit of, this has been a bit of fun chat. Is there anything uh, we left off, left uh, yeah. not talked great. about? Or
4: this is great. If just if your if your people could check out my book after they came, Dan Harari, H A R A R Y, it's on Amazon, it's Kindle or print, and more about me and my life is Dan Harari, author, danharariauthor.com.
2: Okay, and I'll put it, I'll put links to all that in the show notes, too. Okay.
4: And uh, I also wrote a book last year called Flirting with Fame. It's about my 50 years in Hollywood. And I, I worked with Bruce Springsteen in 1973. I was 16. That's before he was famous. I have all – Graham, I got stories. I got all kinds of stories.
2: Anything stand out? What's your favorite uh, celeb story?
4: Well, Here is probably the best story ever. 1973, my best friend and I worked with Bruce Springsteen and his band. And do you know, remember Clarence Clemens, his sax player? Well, uh, not really, sax- but okay. Bruce, Bruce had a sax player, Clarence, very famous. He passed away a few years ago. So this is two years before Born to Run, two years before Born to Run, which made Bruce famous. Clarence asked my best friend and I if we wanted to go on the road as the roadies for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. It's 1973. I go, Clarence? I'm all, we're only 16 years old. We don't drive yet, and I'm pretty sure our fathers want us to go to college. And then, and then that he goes, "Okay, man." And then I went to college, and Bruce became Bruce Reisting. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's
2: a good one. That's a good one.
4: All right, the thank boss. you for very much.
2: Yeah, thanks, well, buddy. Take care.
4: Okay, let me know when okay. this airs. All right?
2: Okay, we'll do. Yeah. Okay, okay we'll thanks, Dan. Have a good yeah. one. Thanks, Darren. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Bye.
0: Another challenge, Dan Harari. What would you think, buddy? Yeah, that was fun.
2: That was good. Yeah.
0: So, so, yeah. All good right. old
2: UFO app. It's been a while.
0: Good old UFO. Hopefully, what, what Restream held up because the... Uh, the Restream? Uh, U, uh, what's it called? Streamyard.
2: Streamyard, yeah.
0: Well, the SD card just ain't working. I couldn't pull anything off of it last night, and I forgot. And then now today, it wouldn't let me record. It just isn't picking it up. It's a backup.
2: Good thing you have backup on the Streamyard,
0: shows. yeah, yeah, and the shows that we did before. Oh boy, <laughs> that you've yeah. been recording on Zoom, you yeah, uploaded yeah. already. Right?
2: Well, I, 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 well, I uploaded the ones that I knew you would use, so upload we're still recording, now. right? Are we still recording?
0: Oh, yeah, we are. sorry, bingo, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <baseball>. <laughs> little that was a chat with Dan Harari. What'd you think, buddy? Oh, yeah, it was good, yeah. I don't know, maybe I should think about that UFO thing. I don't know, we'll see. It's just a pain travel. It's just a bit of a pain travel these days. It's just not like it used to be. I used to travel so much. Oh my God. The one you seen was a UFO. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. I so, yeah.
0: That yeah. I, I was, uh, interesting one. I like it. I mean, I was kind of hoping that he'd have more of an argument instead of just like referring someone to read books. So, like, they're not going to read books. It's not. Unless you could compel them in that five
2: minutes, yeah, he's trying to show you like who's done the the best research and all that, you know. Hmm, um, I get it.
0: Yeah, trying to show off the shoulders of the giants. he Yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly.
0: Anyway, big thanks to Dan for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're one of the one percent that choose to support our work over here over at like America.ca slash support We are doing our best to try and make the show go, make the show grow, and uh, taking a at doing it full time. So. We can't do it without you guys. We need your help. Our America.ca sports sign up for monthly, make a one-time donation. In the meantime, you got links on everything we do at Grammerica.ca from uh, the trips at contact at the cabin.com to the books at adultbrain.ca. Everything in between. And we love you guys. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week.
1: All the rain came down. My wallet got so You oh.